Welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross Lacane. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Today, we have Desley Taylor from Mortgage Choice, one of the top female brokers in the country. Welcome, Desley. Welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker. My name's Ross Lacane. We've got a very special guest. Uh, Desley Taylor, she's from Mortgage Choice, one of the top 20 uh, brokers in the country and has been for many, many years. Welcome, Desley. Hi, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about how you got started on, on your broking journey. So, Ross, I was a lender um, in one of the banks, not one of the major banks, but I was a lender in one of the banks for many, many years, and I was working in the bank for, you know, roughly 13 years. And at that point, I was, you know, I got to, I got to a point that I actually really didn't like the fact that I couldn't help every client. And, you know, long-standing clients of the banks, you know, been with the bank for 20, 25, 30 years, and loyalty is obviously not something that the banks consider to be... Uh, a prerequisite when it comes to credit review and things like that so you know I just really it would really hurt me to bring a client who I'd been working with for 10 years to then say look because your situation is not like it used to be I'm now needing to look at um, decline the deal there's, there's nothing we can do my hands are tied and I do apologize and um, just months and months of this happening and you know the banks were changing their credit policies continually you know I wasn't able to help everyone and nor give them other options but they have to send them off to other lenders or to a broker so that's when i looked at obviously the different broking models and and i really liked the mortgage choice model at the time and um and still do obviously and um yeah so and then ventured into this business 13 years ago which has been quite exciting yeah 13 years ago and uh you haven't looked back so Tell us about those early days when you first made the switch from the bank into mortgage choice, because I think it's important to, for the listeners to hear where the top brokers have come from and how they sort of started their journey. So I just, I started just myself, like obviously I didn't have any, anyone, uh, any staff or anything like that. And that probably lasted for the first six to I think about eight months. And then I quickly realized that for me to be able to uh, be sitting in front of clients as opposed to being um, sort of hands-on doing, I call it the $20 an hour stuff, for me to be doing the $200 an hour stuff, um, I needed to get someone in to help me with the $20 an hour stuff. So then I got someone in the office that would help me process and, and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, it probably, I, I did take a lot from the bank, to be honest, like the bank were always about customer service. Customer service was key. Um, so I sort of just moved that into my own business and, and perfected that a little bit more in regards to customer service. And when you work for a bank, you know, it's, you're there and it, you're constantly having to do the reports and you're constantly having to, to answer to, to the, your, senior, your seniors and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then once I got into my own business, I realised how important the process and, and the systems and the structures that they really want you to stick with, how important they really, really are. Um, and I just implemented that into my own business. And look, don't get me wrong, it did take me, uh, probably I set this business up in the August and I had my first deal settle in the January. So it took me a couple of months to sort of, you know, feel my feet because obviously I had a you know, restriction of trade and, and all that, that sort of stuff was done for. 
Um, but in saying that, the amount of clients that just, and still they're, they're finding me to this day, all of my Suncorp clients sort of, you know, have, well, there you go, I've worked with Suncorp, but um, all of my clients are still finding me to this day. And um, yeah, I just, I haven't looked back. So it's just implementing immediately the systems and the processes and, and making sure every, every single deal that I do, every deal that I submit, the client has exactly the same experience from start to end. Exactly. And that's, I mean, what you were saying around, you know, you noticed pretty early around switching from the dollar productive activities, which is the $200 an hour, which is the sales to, as you mentioned, the $20 an hour task. And I think that's a lot of, you know, where a lot of brokers get stuck, you know, mm. yes. that they, they don't, you know, free up their own time by, you know, employing people, they see it as a cost rather than investment to invest in staff to to move forward. And so tell me about the first hire that you made. So it was um, my first hire. She was only part-time and um, basically a, you know, she was a part-time working mum, you know, so she could only really work for school hours, which was fine. It suited me to a T. And she was basically, she would help me, um, more or less with tracking. So I was getting the deal prepared and submitted to the lender, which was fine. However, she would then help me track because that was the that was the time that was the exhausting stuff and and that was the exhausting of my time. If you're having to sit on the phone to a lender for an hour in a day just to get an update and then update the client, you know that's that's a really that's a resource that I, I found quite early on. I had to outsource so or you know get the staff member in to help me with. So that's what I basically did. I got someone in to help me with the um, processing from submission through to settlement. Um, and within six months, I needed her full time. Um, so because obviously we just then grew quite quickly. And then within, um, I would dare say, 12 months from that, um, I then had a part time uh, marketing girl and, and all of that sort of stuff on as well. So really, it was sort of my processing. That I, I got in first and foremost, and I have to say, Ross, still to this day, um, I've got more back-end staff than I do loan writers, and the reason I've got that is because my attitude is that your back-end staff, they are the ones that are keeping the business actually flowing. Like I'm bringing the business in, so the more people that I have behind me that are helping me get these deals through and across the line and approved, um, the you know, the, the more satisfied, satisfied the clients are, the, the process is very, very seamless and every single client receives exactly the same, um, just basically service from start to finish. So if I get a client that refers me their friend, they know that obviously they're going to get exactly the same service and they're going to deal with the same people at each different stage of the, um, the approval or settlement process. Definitely. And I think that's important for, for brokers to understand because you've set your business up as a practice where, you know, you're like the surgeon where you, you make the cuts and then you've got lots of people handing you the utensils in order to basically to be able to do that. And that's you've structured, you've structured your business that way. I mean, we were chatting offline you know, last week and there is challenges with that, however. But for you, obviously, in terms of what you really pride yourself off and, and what you love, 
is the customer service and, and mm. that satisfaction and, and around the process. So tell me how you develop the processes in your business. Because I know from my business, you'll get to a point where your systems will get stretched and then you're forced to change. So talk yeah. me through some of those changes that you've had to make. Um, so basically, it's just, I, I find that it hap it's actually happened organically for me. Um, so as we've got busier and busier, obviously, so every single one of my staff members has a specific role within the approval process or the settlement process. So every single deal, for example, I've got a, an approvals processor. All she does is looks after the deals from submission to approval. And then once they've been approved, then it moves on to the next person, for example. Mm. Okay. So what I've really, really, in an, initially, the, um, I just had one processor, processor looking after everything. Um, however, it, it then got to a point that the volumes were just too high. And then I had to split that role into two. Um, and I had a choice. I could either take that role from being, um, you know, looking after, for example, I had two staff looking after every client, um, or I could split those roles in two and have each girl looking after each different stage of the approval process. And, that, and I've chosen that so then those girls can actually um, become experts in that area. They can then build the relationships with either, you know, the solicitors and the settlements teams or they can build the relationships with, you know, their approval officers and, and things like that, okay? So that's the way I've opted to do it. But I've just found that as the business has grown, I've had to take a step back and look at and just reevaluate the business and see where I'm actually um, sort of missing things. So, for example, we're in the process of putting in a, um, an operations manager, for example. So that role, because I've just with changes to lenders policies and, and things like that, which are constantly evolving at the moment, I've just found that we've just been flying by the seat of our pants in regards to, okay, what are the changes now? And we kind of quickly look it up and then, okay, well, let's, let's just sort of make sure that this deal still fits based on the new policy. Whereas if I've got an operations manager in place, their role is going to be just to make sure that we're constantly updated in regards to any any anything new that the lender's wanting us to, to obviously look at, any lender policy changes, um, obviously credit policy changes, looking at, um, you know, any new implementations that have come in from the government's incentives and things like that. So we're always updated. And not only that, you know, any new lenders that are on our panel, what, what are their, their perks? What do they do a little bit better than others? Because as you know, we all get to a point where we, we tend to use the same six lenders you know, and it's a default, you know, well, I know them, you know, and that's probably not the right thing in the sense that we need to be educating ourselves with all of our clients. So the operations manager is going to make sure that we're constantly updated in regards to what are the perks of any new lenders that are coming on the panel and things like that. So it's just as, as time has grown and as, as I evolve in the business, it's um, you sort of have to take a step back. I have to take a step out of the business and look at the business from the outside in and see what I really, really need because you get too caught up in the business. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, very wise to bring that other layer of management in between you and the other staff. And I know in our business, we were able to do that and it frees you up uh, to be able to focus on, you know, the dollar productive activities, which is, 
meeting with your clients, meeting with referral partners, and working with your team and on the on the systems and processes. And you know, I think that's where a lot of top brokers get stuck, and they end up working six, seven days a week and just totally exhausted because they don't. You know, everything has to come through them, and just the sheer number of decisions that they have to make in a day in day out basis is exhausting you know mm -hmm. so by having that middle layer whether it's an ops manager or someone that looks after your processing team so there's you know there's a there's someone in between you and and your staff or and again it's not going to be for everything and there's certain you know you're writing you know 40 50 deals a month i'm sure in terms of mm -hmm. so in terms of for you there's a lot of decisions in those 40 or 50 loans that you're doing and so to have that person you know that just takes one of those major responsibilities away from you and and is another person within like a middle layer um for you i think as these businesses get mature it's so important so important uh to be able to do that yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And look, I mean, I know that there's a lot of brokers out there that I talk to um, that don't agree with what I'm about to say, but I I still follow up with my clients every single day. So I actually, between 8.30 and 9.30 every morning, uh, it's a non-negotiable for me. I call up to 60 clients a day, depending on obviously the day. Sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less. Um, and those clients are obviously following up on your pre-approvals and I do a um, your, your six or your 12 month call in regards to um, just wanting to see where the clients are and making sure just basically wanting to check in to make sure everything's okay um, and obviously we're constantly doing pricing and all that for clients so because I'm constantly touching my clients um, time is crucial for me you know, so I need to have the systems and the processes in place so I've got other staff that I can obviously flick things to, knowing 100% that think they're going to get the job done, whatever that job may be. So obviously, you know, if it's pricing for an existing client, valuations, whatever. Um, but in saying that, this next level that we're introducing, um, I have an expectation that she's going to be in a position where she's going to be able to help me manage the finer details as in, you know, obviously lender submission qualities and, and things like that. So we're constantly going to be able to get everything a little bit better by constantly reviewing and working on all of these things. Definitely. And that's so important, even from, you know, with yourself writing so much volume and your time being so limited, you know, that, quality assurance and i know for me when i sort of got to the size book and your risk becomes that compliance risk you know Absolutely. because because you're you're the one that's name on is on every file you've got multiple people handling the process once you do it but that quality assurance piece is so critical because that's your business anything happens from that point of view that is the greatest risk that you have in your business as you know in the position that, that you are in so uh yeah definitely love that but just want to go back to a step around your structure in terms of you make 60 calls a day how what does that look like how are you um notified of who to call is there a certain um you do call pre-approvals one day do you call existing clients the next do you 
you know, is there a structure on who you call um, on your daily calls? No. So there's no, well, yes, there is. Um, so basically we use a CRM, okay, our, our system obviously. And as soon as a deal is submitted to the lender and, and we've got the pre-approval that comes back, um, I then have set the task for myself to obviously follow up on all pre-approvals every two weeks. And then we have a prompt that as soon as the pre-approvals about to expire, we then email the client, get some updated information to extend the pre-approval through. So all pre-approvals are touched every two weeks because obviously we're offering, you know, RP data and, and all of that sort of information to really educate the client. Because for me, the important thing for our clients is education. You know, I'm here, the way I see my role, I'm here to educate the client in regards to what their lending options are so they can make an informed decision moving forward in regards to the best lender that's going to suit them and the product that's going to suit their needs. So I'm here to educate the client. Now, ultimately, it's not just in regards to the loan, it's in regards to the property they're purchasing as well. So I have long conversations with clients in regards to locations of properties that they're, they're buying. Not that I'm a, a property expert, However, I can at least sort of give them some information based on what, what they're looking to achieve. Um, so that's in regards to pre-approvals. And to be honest, I call them every two weeks from the day that the, the loan is pre-approved. Okay, so whether it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously in the system, once the loan is actually physically settled, okay, so I will still call clients on the anniversaries, or oh, not the anniversaries, sorry, on the milestones. So as soon as the loan's um, pre-approved, I call them. As soon as it's approved, fully approved, I call them. And then once it's settled, I call them. So as much as I've got my processing team um, in the background doing everything, I'm still calling the clients at these milestones. So they're still, I'm still touching the client. And then once the loan is actually physically settled, um, I call the client the day it settles, a week later, just to ensure they've got their internet banking and all that sort of stuff up and running a month later to make sure their payments and everything have come out because it's all new to them. Mm. And then for the first 12 months, I'm checking in with them every three months. Just a really quick call to check in to make sure everything's going okay. And thereafter, it's every six months. So, um, and then obviously, you know, any prospects, people that are on savings plans and all of that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm calling them as well. Normally every, you know, depending on how far off they are, every three to six months, depending on what their savings plans look like. So Ross, it's not, um, you know, this day I'm doing this. It's basically, you know, if, if I'm telling you I'm going to call you in three months today, I'll schedule the task for three months today. No so my calls are very, very sort of, they're, they're broken up of lots of different things. Um, and obviously your fixed price. So for example, we send out SMSs in regards to our clients that are coming off fixed rates. But if the client doesn't respond after two SMSs, then... Um, my marketing staff member will then give that task back to me to give the client a really quick call just to see how they're going. So things like that that I'm following up with. Definitely. So. And how making so many calls, how do you keep your calls brief? Because, you know, what, how do you... <laughs> yeah, what, what's some tips for some brokers? Because I know we had plenty that worked for us in terms of, yeah, what's... Because you're making so many calls a day and your time is so structured... How do you ensure that you sort of can quickly transition on that call? What's an example? So if, if the client wants to have a really quick chat, or sorry, if the client wants to get into a conversation in regards to, um, you know, something that is not going to be quick, 
I'll then say, look, um, I would it be okay if I give you a call and call back at 10 o'clock so we can I so then I can then run through all of this with you. Um, and then obviously I'm going to be able to help you and you know and and move forward in regards to this. So I basically my call is normally, hi, it's Desley. I'm just checking in to make sure everything's going well. You know, it's been 12 months since you've been in your place. Is everything okay? Yep, 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 it's all great. Right. If you want us to review your rates, send me over your statement so we can get the lenders, you know, keep the lenders on their toes for you. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's great, not a problem. All right, excellent. If I don't hear from you, you will hear from me in another six months to see how you're going. Um, Love it. Yeah, Love it. If they turn around and say, look, no, 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 I really, really want to have a chat, I'm like, right. Um, is it is it okay if I give you a call back in another you know sort of hour when I've got some free time that I can chat around some things and and no one has ever pushed back on that so yeah. I mean I love that it's a very brief very courteous you're not you know you're straight to the point and I right. think a lot of people you know they go around and circle and eventually come to that point but it might take them five or ten minutes of beating around the bush right yeah no. And it's so it's so important if you're going to make the volume of calls and provide the service to your clients, you've got to be brief because yeah. your time is valuable. You know, every minute of your time, um, you know, let's say it's worth $15 a minute, yeah. you've got to ensure that every minute of your time is being really, really well spent. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, so this is the process and I love that you've got clear roles for your for your team in terms of um and you handle the process from there to there and then you hand it over and when you hand it over do you get back involved at any stage um look yes so if a deal is so the clients still will call me um, if they're a little bit, especially first home buyers, they'll be sort of a little bit edgy and all of that sort of stuff. So they'll call me and I reassure them and, and all, you know, all of that sort of stuff. However, if the deal is um, taking a little bit of time, if the deal is, uh, if my processor comes and says, look, I've just had a little bit of a, a sticky conversation with the assessor, I'm not, I'm not, it do, it's not sitting well with me. I'll then sort of jump back in and have a look and see what's happening. Definitely, if the deal's uh, declined, then I'll obviously jump back in and, and see what's going on and see if we can resurrect it because 95% of the time you can resurrect it anyway. Um, you know, so I never, ever, ever expect my staff to do anything they're not comfortable with. Um, so, you know, the minute they, they're starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable with the whole uh, conversations that they're having with the assessors, um, I just told them to come and get me and then I'll obviously take over those conversations. And um, because, you know, it, we're all here to get the deal over the line for the client and I much would rather my, my staff to feel comfortable um, and I would rather have those conversations if they're not feeling comfortable, especially if there's some sort of, you know, sticky conversations mm -hmm. that sometimes you have with the assessors. Definitely. And you, you having you know, the, the volume of loans that you're personally doing every month, you're, you know, even if you've got 10% of your files are sort of off the rails a little bit, there, there's still, you know, a number of files every day that you're going to have to get involved in, you know? So, Correct. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And not that, and look, you don't want that. So the minute you get one that is a little bit funny, you're like, oh, God, here we go. 
but um, you know, it is it's the nature of the beast, right? Given where you are, then do you pick and choose on what you what business you will take on? Is there some business that you prefer not to do? Um, as in, are you talking as in, you know, sort of commercial as opposed to residential or are you, are you just talking just business in general that are sort of... Exactly. To... If you go, this one is just going to be too hard work. It's not going to be a great experience for me and my team. I'm, not, I'm going to pass on, on this particular client. No, to be mm. honest, the only time, no, um, we don't do that at all. But what I have done and um, not a lot to be honest but if I uh, and, and if I'm sitting with a client and you can feel that the connection is not quite there or the client is sort of um, you, you can just feel that there's a, a level of unease between yourself and the client um, there have been instances and like, like I said there's only been a handful in the last 13 years where I've actually said to the client look I think it might be better if you find yourself a, new, a different broker um, someone that you're going to be comfortable to work with and um, because I don't know whether or not this is going to work with us um, yeah. because you need to be comfortable with me and I need to be comfortable with you. So the one thing I do tell my, my brokers um, is basically if you're not comfortable with the client, you're not comfortable with the transaction, um, then, you know, don't do the deal. Don't, you know, that's, you need to be comfortable. So that's, that has happened in the past. Yeah. But, but other than that, yeah, we pretty much take on anything. We tackle it all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's um, and you know, there's. I'm sure that you've got partway through the process with certain clients, and you said, "Oh, well, I wish I didn't take on that one." But um, yes. I think we've all been there. Uh, so, just interested. You're very structured in terms of your day. So, I want to, you know, you to give an example of exactly what your day looks like, seeing it is structure. I know we're changed from day to day, but your ideal day, I'd like to get an understanding of exactly what that looks like. Okay, so I always have, um, so what, um, I always have right down today or this afternoon by, you know, by the time I finish my working day, I already know what I've got on for tomorrow. I've already got my call list sorted for the tomorrow morning, you know, and I already know what deals are due to be submitted and, and all of that sort of stuff. So I will enter into tomorrow morning knowing, you know, enter into, I'll go to bed at night knowing exactly what I, what it is that I need to do today, you know, or hypothetically tomorrow. All right. Um, so basically the day consists with come on in and from between 8.30 and 9.30, like I said, I'll make my calls. And at that point I take no inbound calls and I respond to no emails. I am purely just making those outbound calls in that time. My staff don't come and interrupt me. They just know that I'm not to be interrupted during that time at all. Um, I then have half an hour to sort of just do, you know, update files and, and sort of get my head around sort of where my emails are at and sort of where the, where the day is. And then we have a 10 o'clock staff meeting. And that has been via Zoom. My staff now are sort of um, coming back into the office, but I've still got some at home. So sort of part Zoom sort of, our office meeting at 10 and that normally lasts sort of around the 15 20 minutes in which at that point I start delegating you know if I've got things that need to be done we get we get those done um, so basically what I then do from there is I then segment my day if I've got a deal that I need to put together then I'll take no calls and I do no emails I just I get that deal put together because I find that if I multitask I'm trying to get 55 things done at once and I get nothing done 
you know, I'm, I'm trying my best, but, but it's not really working successfully. So I find if I focus on one thing, I get it done, get it done quickly, efficiently, and then move on to the next. So I was actually say to my staff, look, I'm making my, I'm returning all my calls now. So then I'll spend the next half an hour returning calls to clients, you know, then once I've returned those calls, I'll then go and see to my emails. So I don't have my emails sitting in front of me all day. And the reason I don't have my emails sitting in front of me all day is because you can honestly just spend your day sitting in your emails and just responding to emails all day long. And I feel as though people probably get caught up in that trap a lot, as opposed to sort of closing them down, make your calls, work on your deals, and then open your emails back up. And then as soon as you've got yourself down to your emails, then clear them, you know, put them down again. So I find that I just segment my day. So I'll, you know, spend an hour on emails. And then once I've got through the majority of them, I'll then sort of make my return calls. And so I do just really structure my day like that. Sort of, I won't be doing emails and making calls at the same time. It's just one thing at a time. Definitely. And, you know, it's so important um, on so many levels, right? For one, you know, you're doing that many things. You've got that many decisions to make to have that real focus and just, do that one task at a time and to, to get things done. Uh, and we were talking the other day in terms of, you know, the business levels that you're writing just continue to increase. It doesn't matter if you get additional processes, you will just, you know, use that time effectively and, and your business will, will continue to grow. So you've got to be really disciplined around your focus and, you know, what, what are some of the things that you want in your business? And I think, you know, to that point we were talking about and we've been part of a mastermind for the last few weeks with some of the other top, mortgage choice franchisees and it's really been interesting looking at the discussions and you know some people you know are constantly looking at their business and reviewing and tweaking things and don't really you know give the systems and processes enough of a chance where you 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 know had a sort of puzzled look on your face and you, i don't understand why people are con consistently changing right because you stick to your same process and strategy um year in year out yeah yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And look, I'm probably one of these people that if I'm going to take on a new system, um, I will not be, I won't be a trailblazer in regards to a new system. I'll basically um, work with people that, are, that have been using that system. And at, and at that point, if I feel as though that system is going to be of benefit to the business, and I know that there's no, no flaws in that system, I'll then introduce that. Otherwise, I find as though there's just too much trial and error with new systems and processes. And because sometimes you just think to yourself, what, why change what's not broken, if that makes sense. Um, but ultimately, for me, it's, it's a case of if the system is going to be of benefit to the business and benefit to the staff, and it's not going to take away and it's not going to make their job any harder, then I'll obviously introduce it and implement it. Um, and once again, that's just me taking a step out of the business, looking in and going, okay, how can we do this better? How can, and obviously I do work with the staff. I get a lot of feedback from my staff as well in regards to things that they feel as though we could do a little bit better. Um, and, you know, just constantly reviewing and doing a little bit of a 360 review on the business at all times in regards to what the options are. But yeah, I'm not a trailblazer in regards to trial and error in regards to new systems and processes. And leading on to staff, because I think that's a, a good um, point. And I loved, you know, in, in our discussions uh, over the last few, few weeks, you were talking about your staff and 
just some of your daily practices that you do like we were talking about like a gratitude journal and in your morning meeting you talk you know about that i think you know for me it's how i've started a few of our meetings and i think it's really important so tell tell us what you do with them around that that sort of thing so i make sure and this is the one of the things that um doing like you said about like i you know we were talking about being focused and doing one thing at a time um, I find that if I'm trying to do a lot of things, I'll have staff that will come to the door and they'll want a quick five minutes of my time. And when I'm trying to, if, when I used to be trying to, to do a lot of things at once, I found like I, I could not focus on one task because I was trying to do 10, okay? Whereas now, um, I'm really making sure that I'm present in everything that I'm doing. So, so that is enabling me. If I've got a staff member, they'll simply say to me, look, I need five. And I'll say to them, okay, I'm going to be able to give you five minutes in, in 10. You can, you can wait 10 minutes and they'll say, yep. Yeah. So then in 10 minutes, they'll, you know, I'll give them, they'll shout out to them and I'll come on in. And then I'm 100% present with them. I can talk to them about whatever it is they need to speak to me about, whether it's a deal, whether it's something personal, whatever it may be, I'm 100% present with them. I'm not distracted with emails or text messages or phone calls. They've got 100% of my time. And um, I've been working with the girls in regards to, I did give all the girls a gratitude journal because I think, especially at the moment with COVID and everything that's gone on in life in general, you know, my staff are, are mothers and they've got little children and they've got, you know, they're trying to work and, and trying to manage manage households and, and it can get stressful at times. And I think we sort of tend to lose sight of, you know, we, we are quite lucky. We, we need to be very, very, very grateful for what we have. Um, so I've given them all gratitude journals to put by their bed another night before they go to bed, just write down what they're grateful for, whether that be grateful for the fact that their husband got the washing off the line or they'd be grateful for the fact that, you know, the kids were managed to get to school today, you know. So I think it's really, really important that they stop and they take a step back. Um, and it's funny because this morning I had the conversation with them. Um, I listened to Brene Brown a lot and um, I had the conversation with them today in regards to to constantly think about, so the story I'm making up in my head, because we all sit there and we get so busy, when we get so busy, we think that someone's out to get us or someone's talking about us and, and that's not the case at all. Absolutely not the case, you know. Um, so I had the conversation with them today in regards to, before you jump to an assumption in regards to what somebody else is thinking or doing, whether it's at work or in your personal life, say to yourself, well, the story I'm making up in my head because nine times out of 10, that's all it is, is a story. So I think it's really important that my, you know, all of us stop and reflect on these things sometimes because we sometimes make something out of nothing. And, you know, so to me, that's really important. So. Yeah, definitely. That's really, it's well, maybe I've done a lot of that. I've done that sort of soul searching as we sort of spoken about. And I love Brene Brown. I've picked up her uh, book the other day, actually daring greatly and yeah. um yeah really good read and you know just some of the signposts that are you know in the first few pages i'm like oh wow you know it's natural for us to do that and i think you know that negativity bias that you know so many of us have um and it's human nature you know to be able to to really focus on you know gratitude and to to show people hey i, I haven't been feeling as well as as i probably could um, it's just a really great reminder. It's good that you do that. So have you been able to retain your staff long-term? 
Yes, absolutely. So um, most of my staff, I think the longest is now 11 years and I've had this business for 13. Uh, the longest is 11 years and the shortest uh, staff member that I have, um, she's only new to me, she came in December. Um, but other than that, sort of the, you know, then there's sort of two years. So on average, the tenure, well, look, put it this way, in 13 years, I've had three people leave, mm. um, which, you know, is really, really good. And, and Ross, to me, um, over and above sales, over and above income, over and above anything, my priority is to make sure that my staff are happy. Because if my staff are happy, then they're going to be productive and they're going to get the job done. And in turn, happy staff equals happy clients. And in turn is repeat business and, and obviously growth in revenue. So rather than focusing on the settlement numbers and, and all that sort of stuff, my, my priority is making sure these girls are happy and, um, and obviously having an open door policy that they can come and talk to me. And, and to be honest, um, is making sure that there's no triangles. And when we talk about no triangles, what I'm saying is, if you've got something to say about someone, come on in, you can have a whiffle, you can, you can have a bit of a whinge, that's fine. But if I hear you talking about that in, an, in another day or so, then that's not a whiffle, that's a problem that we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about, we're gonna work through and we're gonna address it. So it's, it's sort of having, you know, really, I, I want these girls to be able to, to talk to each other and, and talk to me without, you know, that, that negativity that can be created and generated in a, in a small office. So, but yeah, they can come to me, have a whiffle, and I'll say to them, all right, so is this something we need to address with, with somebody else or this person, or are you just wanting to have a little bit of a, a whinge? And if they say, no, I just wanting to have a whinge, that's fine, that's great, I'm here to listen, but I don't want to hear it mentioned again once you leave my office. So. Yeah, and I think that's thing that's great because, as you say, we're human. We're going to get those points where, yeah, we're going to be triggered by certain stuff, and it's not necessarily the other person. It might be something that's happening in us, and we just need to to have that release and to be able to accept that and sort of, you know, um, give them a hug and then go out and challenge them to to sort of uh, to get on with with what they're meant to be doing. So, I mean, I think that's great. I think, you know. It shows in your business and obviously you've been successful because of the customer service. But if you, at the end of the day, customer service comes from the people who are dealing with your customers, which is your okay. staff, right? So a lot of people, you know, forget that key point. And, you know, and it's, it's you know, just putting trust and faith and, you know, care and training into that person because they are going to look after your most important asset, which at the end of the day is the, the clients. And, you know, you see that from a broking and it's interesting stepping out of, you know, um, Aussie now and looking at the different aggregators and some aggregators do that really well. Mm -hmm. They are all about the broker and look after the broker because they understand if they look after the broker, the, the client is going to be well looked after. Correct. And, yeah. you know, some miss that mark. They don't build mm -hmm. their business around, how can I make life easier for the broker? Um, they look at it the other way around. So it's exactly the same. You've got to look after your people Correct. and your people and make their lives as easy as possible because guess what? They're the ones that are at the cold face and, and talking to your customers. Correct. So just in terms of, and we touched on a little bit around, 
you know, your motivation and what drives you, you know, you've been a successful broker, you've been constantly amongst the top 20 brokers, you know, over the last number of years, one of the top female brokers in the industry. So what continues to drive you? So I've done a lot of, as you know, we discussed, I've done a lot of soul searching. And if you had have asked me this question six or 12 months ago, I wouldn't have been able to answer it. But um, I now know that what drives me is being able to serve. And I know that that sounds terrible when you say it that way, but um, I like being able to give back. And um, so as long as I can, you know, if a client was to call me and um, Obviously, I do everything that I can. I can't, I can't be everything to everyone. And, and I know that in myself, but what I can do is be truthful and honest with you and tell you exactly what I can and can't do for you. Um, and I'll do that for each and every, every person. So, and it's not just about serving, you know, obviously my staff. It's not just about serving my, um, because when I say I'm here to serve, I'm here to make my staff's life as easy as possible by giving the systems and processes that we have for them to be able to come to work and, and do a great job. In turn, they're able to then give our customers good customer service. So, and then I'm here obviously to, to offer the clients and, and to promise the clients exactly what they're going to be able to get from us. And so that's, that's what I'm here to do. And then obviously in the community as well. So I'm really a strong advocate for our community and, and I, I do a lot of sponsorships in regards to the local sporting clubs and things like that. Um, and it's, it's not so much for the sporting clubs, but it's more so for the children that um, miss out. So it's a case of giving back to those that, that can't afford, you know, so I do kind of have these little scholarships with the local sporting clubs in regards to, yes, I'm going to give you hypothetically $10,000 for the year. But out of that 10,000, I want you to allocate, um, you know, 5,000 of that for children that, um, maybe can't get a new pair of shoes or, you know, they can't get to sort of, they, you know, they can't get to that next level in their little sporting career because their parents can't afford to, to get them to where they need to be. Um, so I do make sure that the sporting clubs do have those, those processes, those, those things in place so we can give back to the community as well and, and educating our clients. I'm, I'm here to educate as much as possible, which all comes down to serving, right? Mm, definitely and I love that and you know we were having that conversation and um, you know I was lucky enough to see the Dalai Lama when I was doing my world trip uh, end of last year and um, you know he was all about that right it was all around there's you know just getting empty and being you know serving people because at the end of the day everyone just wants to be happy right and they want that sort of bit of service and I know from myself, I achieved a lot of my goals and, you know, built a big property portfolio, the line book, but all of that, when you get to our level of success is empty, right? And you realize once you get there that, hey, it's not, you know, society is sort of off a little bit because it's, you get there and there's still something missing. And we were talking about, you know, once someone gets 200,000 income, they want 250 and 300 and then, it's never enough. So it leads to that feeling of, well, they're never enough, right? And that's what Brene Brown talks about a lot, you know, in terms of that you're never enough. So by taking the focus away from yourself and then on serving others and serving your community, it gives a you know, fantastic, you know, 
meaning and it, it allows you to, as I say, to really enjoy every moment in, in terms of what you're doing without, you know, not feeling like you're enough, you know, because you've, you've done amazing and you continue to do amazing things. So, yeah, credit well, to you. Well, thank you, Ross. And I mean, that's what I say to my clients all the time. Like I'll have clients that will come in and they'll say, you know, we want to go from our four bedroom, two bathroom house in this area up to a five bedroom for, you know, two, two bathroom house in the same location. And I have that conversation with them and I say, well, is there a reason why you want to do that? And they say, oh, yeah, because it's a nicer house. And I said, yeah, but it's $100,000 more. So you're going to be putting yourself into a bigger debt and you're going to be technically moving sideways. And like I say to the clients, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's, there, it's, it's up to them to make that choice. But, you know, you can drive around in a beautiful brand new car, but in six months' time, it is just a car. You can, I mean, everyone I know, you get in that car and you go, wow, it's nice. And after 12 months, they'll go, oh, yeah, and kind of shrug and go, oh, yeah, it's, it's okay. You know, you walk into these beautiful waterfront mansions and you walk in and they're brand new and the, the clients love their houses. And then 12 months later, you go back to that same house and you go, wow, your house is still so lovely. They then shrug and go, oh, yeah, because it's become you become so complacent with what you have, right? So, and what is enough? Like, at the end of the day, what is enough? Like... So I think, you know, once again, I've had to do a lot of soul searching and step back and go, well, what is enough for me? And, you know, money makes you comfortable, Ross, at the end of the day. We all know this. Oh, definitely. There's a certain level of freedom that comes with, with yeah. It doesn't necessarily make you happy, right? So mm. you need to make sure that we're doing the things that make us happy. And for me, it's when a client rings me and says, thank you so much, Desley, you know, we've been dealing with you for the last 10 years and we wouldn't have what we've got if it wasn't for you or we wouldn't have been able to make those financial decisions that have really given us the life that we've got if it wasn't for you, know, for you helping us and guiding us and educating us. Um, that's what gives me fulfilment. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that your, I love your focus on education and even those conversations that you're having with clients, right? Rather than spending that 100000 in personal debt if they were to invest in that they may get some more freedom or you know to be able to in in some area of their life they may have a little bit more time and it's about having just a little bit of a deeper conversation because you know, there's a saying that you can't be deep and shallow at the same time mm -hmm. right so as soon as you get to that deeper level conversation with your clients there's an unlikelihood that they can be taken away from you yeah. Because you've got a connection and connection is what this business is all about. And, you know, connection is what life's about, right? So, okay. so, so important. So I think that's a really lovely note to, um, to sort of finish on. Um, if you were to say one last tip for, you know, a new broker or someone looking to get into the industry, what, what would that one sort of tip imparting be one tip what would that parting tip be is treat others the way you want to be treated you know if if you want to if you want to be able to just yeah treat others the way you want to be treated you know and just constantly take that mantra in life that's to me i think is is really really important because you know even if you're a new broker starting out and you know, you, 
a client's called you and, and even if you just say you were that client, for example, that's, that's called a new broker and that broker doesn't really know what they're doing at the time, be honest. Just be honest with the client because that's what you would want in return. You would want someone to be honest with you and go, look, I'm not 100% sure right now, but I'm going to come back to you on that. And you would just want that level of honesty. So just treat others the way you want to be treated and trust in yourself. Excellent. So good. So good. Thanks. I've really enjoyed uh, the chat. It's been uh, my pleasure. And I think that will add a lot of value uh, to a lot of brokers and, and, and people in general. Um, this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Program. Uh, please subscribe and like on whatever podcast channels you're on. Uh, we also have a Billion Dollar uh, Broker Facebook page. So please request to join and uh, become part of the community that's uh, helping to raise the level of broking. So thanks, Desley. Thanks, Ross.